Chip Tam and football, that's what Pittsburgh does. Hello, everybody. My name is Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. In today on the Chip Tam and football podcast for Brian Batko, our Steelers insider. Uh, he had a little extra work to do at the facility here on the short week, so you're stuck with me today. Fortunately, we're joined by a great guest, Justin King, former Penn State standout who played um, with several NFL teams. Um, you can catch him on WPXI's The Last Word with our own Christopher Carter um, on Sundays. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're we got a lot to get into. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Warren implying pretty strongly in their interviews this week that the Steelers took the Cardinals lightly in that loss the other day. Who's to blame for that? Um, and how does that happen in an NFL locker room? We're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about the communication issues caused by the injury to a Landon Roberts and multiple middle linebackers this season, and then get Justin's perspective on Joey Porter Jr., who's walked a pretty similar path to Justin through his career. Before we do that, just want to shout out our primary sponsor for this episode of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Justin, um, I'm just going to get right into it. Deontay Johns and Jalen Warren both use the the word lightly, um, implying that they kind of overlooked the Cardinals. They were 2-10 going into the week. The Steelers were in pretty solid playoff position. So on one level you get it, but on another it's the NFL. And any any given Sunday is the old um, cliche, any team can beat any team. Everyone's a professional out there. How does something like that happen in an NFL locker room? To be honest, I'm not exactly sure because in college you have those weeks where like the coach has to maintain uh, camaraderie or just a level of intensity when you play, I mean, maybe a lesser division school, right? And I, I can't even think of it. I'm not going to call any schools out, but like, you know, when Penn State plays Delaware, for example, it's like you have to get the guys up and ready to play, but you're absolutely right. When it gets to the NFL, you recognize that every individual that you're playing against is a professional athlete. So I guess what I'm saying is in college, I would probably lean more on the coach, but in the professional ranks, man, it's every man for themselves. It's squid games out there. So players have to go into every Sunday operating like it's their last Sunday because it really can be. But there is no excuse for a team to come out and even say that in, in public that they they were taking the team lightly. So have to have a little bit of ownership from the, the coaching staff and the head coach from that one. But ultimately, it lays on the players' hands because they're professional athletes. Yeah, it, I, I guess that's the part that, that kind of boggles my mind because that would be my assessment as well is, is you're being paid, you're professionals. Um, it, it's very different. Um, how can a head coach, though, motivate players going into a game like that? What can he say given that these are professionals? And, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that the, the rah-rah that you see in, like, Friday Night Lights happens all the time. You know, does that happen in the NFL? Is that realistic or – is that just, you know, when, when Mike Tomlin says the standard is the standard, is that what he's supposed to mean? He, he, he I mean, for an organization like the Steelers, it's supposed to mean that, right? Every organization isn't like that where they understand the standard is clear. Steelers have the most Super Bowls in the NFL. I mean, so like he's clear in saying the standard is standard, having a little understanding of how he leads that team, the back end of just the Steelers operation. It's hard for me 
to say the coach hasn't had the guys ready to perform or just with their mental edge where they need to be, because that's one of the, I think the great attributes of Mike Tomlin is challenging their big time players. And I think it comes down to their talent acquisition process of them getting the type of players that they can challenge and that those players answer that challenge. Right. I remember being back uh, when I played there and I mean, he would put up like the primetime players of the game. Like this game is on you, whether we're playing the Browns that had six wins at the time or whoever it was, like you're a big time players, it's on you. So everyone in the room knows, hey, we're looking for these guys to make plays. So I think the Steelers organization and Mike Tomlin in general do, does a great job challenging players to play with an edge and at their optimal, I mean, performance. So that's why I'm just kind of hesitant to say he didn't have those guys ready. And there's a level of the players having to adopt that and carry it out on the field. Again, they are professionals. Something I know a lot of the fans are talking about this week, Justin, is the Tomlin game. And and they talk about how the Steelers tend to lose a, a game like this to, to a team that they probably shouldn't once a year, maybe sometimes a little bit more. Um, I, I'm going to ask the question this way. Is it a tribute to Mike Tomlin that, that you can identify one game a season that, that maybe they underachieved and that there aren't more of them? Because these things happen in the NFL, right, to a lot of different teams – um, and, and most of the time, whenever I have Paul Zeiss on here, we talk about how most of the time the Steelers beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and that's why they have these these winning records every year. That's why they're in the hunt for the playoffs every year is that, you know, okay, yeah, maybe they have a hiccup, but they don't have multiple hiccups. Do you think there's a level of, of taking for granted that, that the Steelers usually win these games so that when they don't, they stand out so much more? Yes. That simple answer is yes, because it's hard to win in the National Football League. When we're talking about – 1600 grown men that are getting paid to pay paid to play football and that goes for i mean the opponents and for the Steelers. and when i say that i mean you will have games where you don't win or if there's a slip in air there's a lot of things moving i think this last week that that loss was a hurtful one because of the lack of fundamentals and just the baseline of how they played but i think the years prior coming up to these games where they had the tomlin losses or how they attribute those losses I don't know if it necessarily goes on him. I mean, again, we're playing in the NFL and every given Sunday is a saying for a reason. Any given Sunday is a saying for a reason that any Sunday you can possibly lose. It's just the fashion in which you lose. So I think as long as the fundamentals and the attitude in which they play is at a level, that's what the standard of the Steelers football is. Yeah, I think you you let in well to my next question, which is what level of blame does does Mike Tomlin have for the way that they looked? I think you can put the motivation level on the players for sure, but it was ugly in a, in a lot of ways. You only get three points until garbage time. Um, you're on track to have one of your lowest scoring losses in in a long time. Um, you know, it wasn't just that they lost; it was how they did it. It was the tackling. Um, I think they had 14 missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, What level of blame does Mike Tomlin have for that? Because there's a lot of people who, regardless of the motivation level, are going to say, you know, that that this team should be better than that at this stage of the season. Absolutely. I I feel that way. I mean, throughout the whole season, I mean, we're we're still, what, seven and five or seven and five? Seven and five now, yeah. Seven and five now. So, like, I mean, I remember a couple of weeks back where, I mean, just fired an offensive coordinator where they're at, at this moment. I think the thing that hurt about, this past week was the lack of fundamentals. And for that, I think uh, the coach has to take a strong uh, ownership of that. When your guys just aren't playing sound football, you're just tackling, blocking, lining up. That's a lack of being prepared. 
right? So when that happens, that is the coach's job. So, I mean, I think he takes a hefty blame for that this this loss this past week, but I'll balance that out with he's got probably a lot of flack that he shouldn't have gotten over the past years when we talk about how we judge these letdowns every year because I think it's just uh, we're expected expected to win as Pittsburgh Steelers, and even though we haven't had a losing season and go 8-8, eight and eight, just never got back to that level uh, Super Bowl contenders that we once were. And I think that's what we feel from the fans when they're just upset about different things, whether it's a, a bad loss this past week or just lackluster play in general. I want to dig into some of the issues that, that reared their heads. One thing Mike Tomlin talked about in the post game was the communication issues that were caused by a Landon Roberts injury. He's wearing the green dot, um, the helmet that, that, you know, you can communicate with the sideline, with the booth. Um, and, and how that can, can scramble things when you have to make that change in the middle of the game. Justin, can you take take us inside, you know, what happens when, when you lose the green dot on the field and, and there's a change in the middle of a game? How challenging is that? And, and is it something that, you know, maybe the average fan takes for granted because it's not super obvious on the television screen? The creatures of habit. So it's extremely challenging in the in the in the the gist of the game and something goes wrong and you have to kind you have to maneuver picks or calls from on the field when you're used to looking to the sidelines and make sure everything's coming in the right way. And when you lose that, you have to kind of slow the game down and make the calls that you need to make. But that is extremely difficult because you're, you practice a process. You talk about what we do in practice and things of that nature. You're trying to practice something so you don't have to think during the game. So anytime that you have to think and adjust on the fly, bad things happen. Even when you adjust at halftime, that's why a major adjustments happen at halftime and not in between um, series because sometimes it's hard to execute. But when you can kind of get your bearings underneath you and make that transition, it's a better execution point. But it's extremely hard to do that when you're green dot or you lose coach to communication. Do different guys have different communication styles? Because obviously the, the Steelers have had different guys wearing that that green dot throughout the season. Quan Alexander, um, Cole Holcomb go down with injuries in the middle of the season that leads to a Landon Roberts being the guy calling the signals. So maybe he, does, does that matter or, or, or is there more continuity within a team where you know how the last guy who had the green dot did it so he can kind of keep keep things similar? How does that, um, how does that play out when, when you have different guys taking that on and, and different styles? That's interesting. It's like, how do you communicate with different friends? I know some friends I text, some friends I call, some friends they say they get send emojis, some friends just like a message. And that's kind of how you have to figure out on the field. Some guys, when they're going through all of training camp and they had the green dot, they're getting everybody in order because they know exactly who's going to ask what question. If this DB says like, what's that call again? What's that call again? That always does it. He's like, hey, this is what it's going to be. Like, so there's having those having that chemistry when you're on the field from just a communicative, communicative styles that are out there, I think is very important because you might have someone that's like, Hey, I'm making like, let's say like a backup or just someone that's not used to call it. And they're just locked in on their play. They get the call, they scream it out and people might have questions that he wasn't clear. He's locked in on his play and he's not going to go back to helping everybody else get lined up or make sure that everyone helps, has the call because he has to focus on what he does. So it's, there's a, there's a learned aspect of making calls on defense, making calls and making sure everyone's aligned the right way. So it, it's a it's a difficult task. I mean, I've known it. I mean, playing nickel in the NFL, playing in the middle of the field, having to communicate with safeties and corners, you get different guys in there, and you get a, a second question when it's someone in motion and, it's, and the play call changes, and then all of a sudden you got to rock and roll the coverage, and you don't know if that person got it because they're changing from a half to half safety to a man on man backside, and so things are happening at a blink of an eye and. 
depending on how prepared all the defenders are, is how much that weight lends on to that person that has the green dot. Take me inside that Steelers locker room, Justin. Landon Roberts, I believe, is is questionable this week. Um, how do you hash out? Not just that, that there may be one or the other person in there come Thursday night on the on the short week. Um, how do you hash that out over the course of the week and make sure you do the best job you can to be on the same page um, with limited time to prepare? Make sure that any mistakes from a uh, communication standpoint are corrected last week. So like making sure, okay, oh, did you make that call? What did we say? What are we doing here? Making sure that we establish signals so that we can all communicate the same type of way. If something goes wrong with the green dot, if we don't get the call from the sidelines, that as long as we're all right, which we like to say, even if we're all wrong on the field, we're right. What you can't have is multiple players doing different things. Like, oh, this person's in cover one. This person's in cover two. This dude's in fire blitz. No, if we're, we don't know where we're going on, we're all going to man. And we're going to all be wrong since they called uh, cover two or something. So as long as that the guys, 11 guys on the field are understanding the responsibilities and essentially their accountability to one another, they should be fine. I want to ask, ask Justin about Joey Porter Jr., who went to Penn State like Justin did. Um, before we do, just want to thank a couple of our sponsors, um, Goldberg, Persky, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, Justin, like I said, you, you're both whippy old guys. You and Joey Porter Jr. Um, you were Gateway. He was um, North Allegheny. You go to Penn State, obviously under different coaches, but you know that it's a big atmosphere up there. You learn a lot. Uh, and now he's in the NFL. What have you liked about you know watching his career unfold, not just in Happy Valley, but now here in Pittsburgh? I had a front row seat. I recruited Joey to Penn State. So I was the recruiting coordinator at Penn State when he was coming out of North Allegheny. So I've been a fan since he's a junior. I remember his film first came up and he was uh, he actually was going through the recruiting process as a receiver. And his junior year, he had like seven or eight interceptions, but he came to camp early and had a bad time or just had a bad camp at receiver. So everybody was just like, this is Joey Porter Jr. And so Kevin Colbert and uh, Brandon Hunt, they would always hit me up like, you guys got to take Joey Porter. You guys got to take Joey Porter because we were a little late to offering him because we didn't know exactly what position he was going to be because he was extremely long and all those different things. Went up to the Steelers camp uh, one year when he was going to a senior year as a as Penn State staff retreat and we got to watch him do one-on-ones against Antonio Brown at the end of practice and he covered him as best as you could this is when Antonio Brown was at the height best receiver in NFL as a high school corner he was covering him as a 6'2 guy moving showing different movement abilities short area quickness and we you know took him took us offered him a scholarship took him in and seeing his progression and what he turned into as a prime corner possibly up for the uh, defensive rookie of the year this year. I mean, I've been nothing but excited because he always had a business-like approach to the game, very competitive, and just constantly got 
better. He's one of those players where when we when I first seen him, he wasn't just like a pure five star. He was somebody that worked and saw what the game and the business was. It was never too big for him. So it's very uh, fulfilling to see him play the way he's playing, especially with the Steelers. I think one of the knocks on him during the, the pre-draft process was the lack of interceptions. But I, as, as Christopher Carter and I talked about on here, he wasn't targeted very much in college. He has been targeted in the NFL, but I believe it's 36 targets and he's only allowed 15 receptions. Um, how, how do you go from, um, you know, not seeing as, as much action on, on the field in your senior year of college, you are that lockdown corner to getting challenged in the NFL. And, and how do you like how he's, he's risen to that challenge? Well, he went to Penn State, which is lockdown you, we like to say. So shout out to lockdown you guys up there. But having that mentality, there's there's a pressure of always performing at a certain level. He was coached by my, my pops, uh, Coach Terry Smith at Penn State. And so just being on your keys, your details, and understanding what comes when you might not get the ball thrown at you every single play. But he's always covered at a very elite level. I mean, he has unique just a frame, right? Close to six, three good short area quickness. He can find the ball. He he plays fearless and he does different things to where he would match up well in an NFL game. We think of this, the college game of space. And there's a, a lot of things where you might get the ball to the point where it's just like throws that aren't five yards down the field where you can't really contest a lot of throws in college. I mean, in the NFL fits his game. He has elite pressing ability. I mean, all three phases of playing defense. And to be completely honest, I mean, he's going to have some Pro Bowl years coming up here pretty shortly. He's just, I think he's a prime talent to play in the NFL. Do you worry about him wearing down as, as we get into the latter stages of his rookie season? Sometimes rookies hit a wall, um, you know, just, just because there's more games in the NFL. You, you finish up after usually 12 now in college if guys don't play the bowl game. Um, you know, the Steelers are going to play 17 plus a possible playoff game. The Steelers also kind of eased him in. Um, do you think he's going to have enough in the tank going into this this final stretch to, to maintain that level that Steelers fans have become accustomed to with him? Absolutely. He's a rookie, but this isn't his first rodeo in terms of understanding the, the length of an NFL season. I mean, whether it's playing in college, but just actually growing up in the NFL as your dad being a player and understanding like your body clock of like what to expect from the season. So I don't think if anybody would be ready for it, it should be him. And I don't think he'll run out of gas anytime soon because like you said, they ramped him into the season, I think, which was a great job of the talent management from the Steelers standpoint. I want to ask you about a Penn State guy, Justin. Trace McSorley signed to join this quarterback room with Kenny Pickett injured. Um, what does what does he add for, for this group? And, and do you like that move for the Steelers to, to have him involved in this group? Any room that Trace McSorley goes into, the toughness goes up five notches. He's the toughest football, one of the toughest football players that I've ever been around. Um, from just a grit standpoint, leader from a quarterback. Obviously, I'm speaking from a Penn State person and seeing him do his best work, but he's uh a competitive competitive leader and so i think him being in the room will just bring us fun to the offense just in general he just has that type of presence i think it's a good move for the Steelers to bring him in just as somebody that can move around in the pocket a little bit and still be able to make throws he hasn't proven yet that he can be a, a band-aid in the nfl so we'll see how that continues to progress but from the intangible standpoint there's nobody better than trace mcsorley 
Um, also, wanted to ask you, did you get a chance to see Jake Browning last night on Monday Night Football really uh, carved up the Jaguars in a way that I don't think a lot of us were prepared for? And, and so what did you think of his performance? And, and are the Bengals still in this AFC, um, you know, if not the AFC North battle for, for the division title, then at least um, right there with the Steelers in, in trying to lock down a playoff spot? Man, it looks like it, right? I mean, you come out and you have a great game like that. The thing about quarterback plays consistency and making decisions continuously, right? I mean, having a good game is one thing. We'll see if he can continue to put it together. But he's filling some big shoes with Joe Burrow being out. Um, but I, I think the, the Bengals have a, a, a good look at it moving forward. I mean, just the way they've been playing and where the way the Steelers are playing, I think they're trending up and we're trending down. So hopefully that gets seesawed here in a little bit. What did he do that that surprised you? Um, and 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 what were, I think a lot of Steelers fans weren't expecting that. Certainly, um, with the way he looked at times against the Steelers last week, um, you know, what did you notice in his game that that maybe you didn't know was there? I mean, I think there's a level of just decision making and early younger quarterbacks in general that you get excited about, right? Because one of the biggest detriments to quarterbacks that even have elite arm talent is where are they going with the football? I mean, there's a lot of exotic defenses that throw different pressures at you and you have to put the ball where you need to. And he consistently did that this past week and made the tough throws that he needed to make when the time came. So doing that in your first, I mean, one of your first few times out is impressive from my standpoint. Justin, while I got you here, I want to ask you about your your Nittany Lions. Um, another good season, another maybe maybe great season, but not an elite season, as as James Franklin likes to talk about. What's what's your outlook for this program going into this twelve team playoff era? Maybe you don't have to play Ohio State and Michigan. Maybe you get some different matchups. Do you think that that can make a difference for this this big lame big game label that that James Franklin has kind of taken on to get away from those teams that maybe Penn State? clearly doesn't match up as well against and, and maybe get into a game like against an Ole Miss or or an Oregon or a Washington or a USC where, where maybe you get some different matchups. I mean, I think it's, it's the, the 12, the 12, uh, the 12-team playoff moving forward, I think is extremely beneficial to Penn State. I mean, because for the past five, six years, they would have been in that playoff. So I think the the storyline of where they are would be completely different, right? Anytime we talk about Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan or, or Michigan just as recent, but more Clemson, anyone's all the top tier teams or that top two or three teams record against those teams are very poor. And it's always highlighted because it's the major conferences, right? Whether it's Penn state or at one point it was Georgia when they couldn't get over the hump. Uh, and I think with the 12 game playoff coming forward, I think that's very beneficial to Penn state just in how their team is built. Cause I think once you get into the playoffs, all things, you can throw it, you know, get throw all the chips in and see where it, where it lays. But I'm excited for where Penn State is. I think they're right outside looking in right now from the talent acquisition process. I think they're built to have another two to three years if they continue to get the talent that they're getting. Um, there's got promise at the quarterback position. I don't know if he's the complete answer yet. Got a nice offensive coordinator that has some history of being creative and drawing up some stuff in Kansas. And we have a, a prime time defense, like the makings of having a very successful program moving forward. And it's just like, what are we going to call successful? Because I, I would agree with you that this year at 10 and 2 is a good season. 11 and 2, I think, is a good plus season, right? But so we've done that a lot of times. So just to get to that next frame, I want to call it elite, let's just say championship or playoff level football, because I think that's everyone's goal in college football is to get to the playoffs, to get a chance to get to the, um, the final show. So with that being said, I'm, a, I'm extremely encouraged 
about where Penn State is and where they're moving for Because I would say like the last eight to 10 years is probably the best in Penn State history. Please don't throw things at me, people. <laughs> I think on a, on a consistency level, you're, I've, I've tried to argue that, Justin. I, I, think, <laughs> I think people have some uh, rose-colored or maybe blue and white-colored glasses <laughs> on, um, you know, how things were outside of, like, the 80s. Um, uh-huh. and, and I think the consistency of the James Franklin era is is something Penn State hasn't had, but you, you do have to get to the next level, so I get that from fans as well. Um, Justin, I'll get you out of here on, on this. What do you expect from the Steelers – going into this game against the Patriots, do you think that they, um, you know, quell some of the concerns against a, another, you know, bad team by NFL standards? Um, but, you know, it's still Bill Belichick. It's it's still, you know, they're, they're bugaboo. Do, do you think they can can get that monkey off their back, get, get back to their winning ways and have 10 days to get ready for, um, you know, the rest of their schedule? You really hope so, right? Especially with the players coming out saying that they uh, took – the team is underdogs or didn't prepare for them in the way they needed to. I think when you watch film as a professional football player and the fundamentals are lacking, there is a very deep introspective look into the mirror of like, yo, we have to get this fixed. Like, is this not about, because at that point it's not about the coaches. It's not about anything else. It's not about fire candidate. There's nowhere to point, but yourself, because I mean, missing a tackle is a man versus man, right? Not lining up. There's this personal accountability that comes with that. And I think from the leadership of Mike Tomlin, we'll be able to drill that in in a tasteful way for these guys to like look within and come out and have a, a win against the Patriots and not replicate what they did last week because it, it was a JV performance, like Mike Tomlin said. And that's not, that's not something that you see from a Steelers football team. Yeah, and I, I think if you see it again, things are going to get pretty ugly here in the comments of our YouTube channel of the Post-Gazette website. <laughs> Uh, but Justin, thank you so much for stopping by. This was a great conversation. Um, everyone, uh, Brian will be back next week in this spot. Um, hopefully with a, a little more time um, to prepare for everything. And then um, obviously we're gonna have a lot more Steelers talk this week. Christopher Carter will be back on the North shore drive on Wednesday and Friday after the Thursday night game. I'll be here with Paul Zeiss for the post game show um, on live streaming on, on the uh, post Gazette sports now YouTube channel and our podcast network. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like this video if you enjoyed us. Help help us out in the YouTube algorithm, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com. <laughs>